Section 15 of A Treatise on Good Works. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Philip Nottis. A Treatise on Good Works by Martin Luther. Translated by Johann Michael Roy. The Third Commandment, subsections 1 through 3. 1. We have now seen how many good works there are in the Second Commandment, which, however, are not good works in themselves, unless they are done in faith, in the assurance of divine favor, and how much we do if we take heed to this commandment alone, and how we, alas, busy ourselves much with other works, which have no agreement at all with it. Now follows the third commandment, Thou shalt hallow the day of rest. In the first commandment is prescribed our heart's attitude toward God and thoughts. In the second, that of our mouth and words. In this third is prescribed our attitude toward God and works. And it is the first in right table of Moses, on which these three commandments are written. They govern man on the right side, namely, in the things which concern God and in which God has to do with man and man with God, without the mediation of any creature. The first works of this commandment are plain and outward, which we commonly call worship, such as going to Mass, praying, and hearing a sermon on holy days. So understood there are few works in this commandment, and these, if they are not done in the assurance of and with faith in God's favor, are nothing, as was said above. Hence it would also be a good thing if there were fewer saints' days, since in our times the works done on them are for the greater part worse than those of the workdays. What with loafing, gluttony, and drunkenness, gambling, and all other evil deeds, and then the mass and the sermon are listened to without edification, the prayer is spoken without faith, it almost happens that men think it is sufficient that we look on at the Mass with our eyes, hearing the preaching with our ears, and say the prayers with our mouths. It is all so formal and superficial. We do not think that we might receive something out of the Mass into our hearts, learn and remember something out of the preaching, seek, desire, and expect something in our prayer. Although in this matter the bishops and priests, or they to whom the work of preaching is entrusted are most at fault because they do not preach the gospel and do not teach the people how they ought to look at the mass hear the preaching and pray therefore we will briefly explain these three works two in the mass it is necessary that we attend with our hearts also and we do attend when we exercise faith in our hearts here we must repeat the words of Christ when he institutes the Mass and says, Take and eat, this is my body, which is given for you. In like manner over the cup, take and drink ye all of it. This is the new everlasting testament in my blood, which is shed for you and for many for the remission of sins. This shall ye do, as often as ye do it, in remembrance of me. In these words, Christ has made for himself a memorial or anniversary to be daily observed in all Christendom, 
and has added to it a glorious rich great testament in which no interest money or temporal possessions are bequeathed and distributed by the forgiveness of all sins grace and mercy unto eternal life that all who come to this memorial shall have the same testament and then he died whereby this testament has become permanent and irrevocable in proof and evidence of which instead of letter and seal he has left with us his own body and blood under the bread and wine here is need that a man practice the first works of this commandment right well that he doubt not what christ has said is true and consider the testament sure so that he make not christ a liar for if you are present at mass and do not consider nor believe that here christ through his testament has bequeathed and given you forgiveness of all your sins what else is it then as if you said i do not know or do not believe that it is true that forgiveness of my sins here bequeathed and given me oh how many masses there are in the world at present but how few who hear them with such faith and benefit most grievously is god provoked to anger thereby for this reason also no one shall or can reap any benefit from the mass except he be in trouble of soul and long for divine mercy and desire to be rid of his sins or if he have an evil intention he must be changed during the mass and come to have a desire for this testament for this reason in olden times no open sinner was allowed to be present at the mass when this faith is rightly present the heart must be made joyful by the testament and grow warm and melt in god's love then will follow praise and thanksgiving with a pure heart from which the mass is called in greek eucharista that is thanksgiving because we praise and thank god for his comforting rich blessed testament just as he gives thanks praises and is joyful to whom a good friend has presented a thousand and more golden although christ fares like those who made several persons rich by their testament and these persons never think of them nor praise or thank them so our masses at present are merely celebrated without our knowing why or wherefore and consequently we neither give thanks nor love nor praise remain parched and hard and of enough with our little prayer of this more another time three the sermon ought to be nothing else than the proclamation of this testament but who can hear it if no one preaches it now they who ought to preach it themselves do not know it this is why the sermons ramble off into other unprofitable stories and thus christ is forgotten while we fare like the man in second kings seven we see our riches but do not enjoy them of which the preacher also says this is a great evil when god giveth man riches and giveth him not power to enjoy them so we look at the unnumbered masses and do not know whether the mass be a testament or what it be just as if it were any other common good work by itself o oh god how exceedingly blind we are but where this is rightly preached it is necessary that it be diligently heard grasped retained often thought of and that the faith be thus strengthened against all the temptation of sin whether past or present or to come lo this is the only ceremony or practice which christ has instituted in which his christians shall assemble exercise themselves and keep it with one accord and this 
he did not make to be a mere work like other ceremonies, but placed into it a rich, exceeding great treasure to be offered and bestowed upon all who believe on it. This preaching should induce sinners to grieve over their sins and should kindle in them a longing for the treasure. It must, therefore, be a grievous sin not to hear the gospel and to despise such a treasure and so rich a feast to which we are bidden but a much greater sin not to preach the gospel and to let so many people who would gladly hear it perish since christ has so strictly commanded that the gospel and this testament be preached that he does not wish even the mass to be celebrated unless the gospel be preached as he says as oft as ye do this remember me that is as st paul says ye shall preach of his death for this reason it is dreadful and horrible in our times to be a bishop pastor and preacher for no one any longer knows this testament to say nothing of their preaching it although this is their highest and only duty and obligation how heavily must they give account for so many souls who must perish because of this lack in preaching End of section 15 recording by philip notice